Thank you. We're going to be in Galatians 6, uh, 1 through 6 today. And what is unique is when you're reading Scripture, um, I was going to do uh, Galatians 6, 1 through 10, but as you just get digging in, there, we'd be here a lot longer. It's just uh, the Word is just such a beautiful thing. And it's uh, exciting to be in, but I, I, one thing that really stands out to me is I want to understand it well and live it well. It's one thing just to, to read it as a check-off mark and to do that, and that's something, that's why we only do five readings. We don't want it to be something that is just, oh, I just, I did my check-off reading. We want it to be something where you dig in and you process and it in, impacts your life. And when the Word impacts your life, then it's a beautiful thing. Starting in Galatians 6. Verse 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. What I really do enjoy when you uh, start digging into the scripture and you start looking at Galatians 6, there's a process that's happening that's really unique. There is a corporate process and then an individual response if you start looking at it. So you start with looking as the corporate, the first point, and this is from the IVP uh, New Testament commentary, which I really uh, enjoyed how they took a look at this, is the corporate is restore that person gently, okay? That is what the church is supposed to do, is how we're supposed to to do that. Then it goes to uh, individual, but watch yourself. Then it goes back to corporate, carry each other's burdens. Then it goes back to individual. Each one should test his own actions. Each one should carry his own load. Then it goes back to corporate, share all good things with his instructor. Now, we didn't read these verses, but it continues on throughout Galatians. A couple other examples, it goes back to individuals. Do not be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. And it goes back to corporate. Do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What is so unique is Paul is bringing this great corporate that we're a church together, but you also have individual responsibility. There's this uniqueness going on that that we're in this together, but also you have this own thing you're doing as well. And what is happening here in the writing is very well done, very beautiful, and So let's take a look at what the first thing we're supposed to do corporately. If someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. And the first point is restore. Now this is you're restoring someone who is caught or overtaken by sin. Now they are still a brother or sister in Christ. But they need to not stay in the place of being caught or overtaken by the sin. Now, Paul is not talking about to someone that is a hardened sinner. 
That is someone that is, I, that I am only here, this is where I'm only staying. I like how Guzik puts it. He says, trapped in a place they never thought they would be. I'm going to use the example of an affair. The affair, most of the time, we focus on that one-night stand. Correct? But most affairs don't happen there. Most of them happen somewhere else. Something happened at home where there was a little broken mistrust. Then all of a sudden at work, there was a, a nice conversation. And then it probably turned into maybe a week, like a wink of the eye, like, hey, it's good seeing you. Then all of a sudden, it might be something else is, ah, let's do lunch together. Then it's a hand on a shoulder, like, hey, it's good seeing you today. Then it's like, hey, let's stay after work later and talk about it. And then it's something like, hey, let's go grab something to eat. Then that leads to the night. But, but where, did it, where did it really happen? It happened way back here when it first could have been fixed and restored. But what happened was it led and built on top of each other. So many times we get caught into that. We get trapped in a place they never thought they would be. What is restoring someone? What is so awesome and unique is the whole Bible is about the restoration, the restore process. We talked about it in Sunday school. What hap what's happening in Genesis 1 and 2? It's good. It's perfect. There's no, there's no reason to restore. Then all of a sudden, there's a big problem of we got to restore the situation. So many times do you see that sometimes sin can come and be crouching like a lion, but sometimes I think it comes on slowly because we allow things to continue to build up over time. These are sins of the flesh. I uh, was reading a story about a woman in South Carolina. Now, men, check your drinks all the time. She was slowly poisoning her husband by putting eye drops into her, his water. I saw a couple men look at their husband or their wives like, what? Like, you want to do that, would you? <laughs> like, make sure you check that drink. No, no, just. But what I'm saying is it was a slow process of poisoning. A poison over a year, it started to deteriorate and started to ruin his life. And he was having all these issues. The sins of the flesh, it can take a long time. It can come on quickly, but it can also take a while. So we as fellow believers, though, are to restore. Now, with restoring, there's usually two problems that the church doesn't handle this well. One, when they see the sin, they call it out in an inappropriate way. Without love, for everyone to see... To show that I'm better than you because of your sin. Or the second way is to not deal with it at all. It's just to ignore it. Restore means katatizo, means restore to formal condition. 
to establish, to put in order. And as Doug said in Sunday school, and I like it, make it like it should be. Make it like it should be. To restore something. If someone had a broken bone and their arm is broken, it is just like you see it, the bone sticking out, a couple people have passed out, it's gross. There's a couple things that have happened. One, are you going to ignore it as, as someone else? Ah, eh, well, it's a mere flesh wound, they'll take care of it. Like, and walk away. Or, it's being like, <laughs> look at that guy. He's got a broken bone. I'm glad I'm not him. Our, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to restore. But that leads to my second point. Point number two, it's the second R, is we need to realize there's a problem. We need to realize there's a broken bone. And I think we also need to realize that, one, if you're the person with the broken arm, it might hurt to be restored. How many times are people like, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't deal with it. I got a broken, I got something that I'm dealing with here. I can take care of it myself. I got it. I got it. But it might be pain to, to put that bone back into place. To get it back to where it needs to be. Two the person trying to help them restore must help in a spirit of gentleness. Because it says that, and then it says, you who live by the Spirit should restore the person gently. Why, you ask? Because you must also realize your own form of corruption and wickedness in the flesh is just as likely and significant. Because you could be there too. And maybe you're there now. I've seen a lot of people, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, a lot of people that have broken bones trying to fix other people's broken bones. Like, trying to fix other people's issues, but you're like, you have issues too. And then all of a sudden it gets messy because then you don't want that person to restore you because that person hasn't restored themselves. And all of a sudden you're, there's a bunch of people, we're all a bunch of people with broken bones. But we don't want to be restored we don't want to be fixed. The ultimate restorer is that of Jesus Christ. But we're called to when we restore, we're supposed to do it gently, lovingly, caring, with passion. And this is why I think so many times in Scripture, we look back through all, God loves the humble. He loves the humble-hearted. Why is that? Because the humble know it's not about themselves, but it's about God. When we start to restore someone, it can be easy for us to become full of pride and self-worth. When we start restoring someone or helping someone through something, we can become arrogant or see like, hey, look at what I did. Look at how I helped this. You see that broken bone I fixed on Billy over there? Yeah, that was me. Like we can restore. Now, if you don't know that this broken bone is an analogy for sin in our lives, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll get it back. But there are some times that we have sin in our lives and we don't want to deal with it. And there's also times there's people in here right now that don't want it out in the world because they're afraid of how other people, their family members are going to treat them. 
Because if it comes out that, hey, I have a situation, I have, I struggle. If there's someone in here that struggles with lust, what is other people going to think of me? So I'd rather just deal with it. Now, the broken bone analogy is really great because everyone can see it. Now, what about if you have tooth decay? It can be hidden. You have a cavity, you need a root canal, but you can sort of hide it. You can protect it because people can't see it. But you know what? It's still in there. It's still causing pain and suffering in your life. It's still there. It's still dealing with it, but the outside world doesn't know. You and God know, but it can be hidden. And until you let that out or someone can help restore that, fix it, what do you have to do to get the tooth fixed? You have to go to the dentist, right? You have to go to someone that can help take care of the situation. We have to do that spiritually too. We can't just hide things. We need to be careful of that. And it says in this, it says, but watch yourselves, or so you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Paul lays it down that we need to fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? We just got done talking about not, we don't have to, the full law, the law is now changed into Christ. What is the... And that is to love God and to love your neighbors. We're supposed to love your neighbors. Uh, we're going to be playing a video right now, a video. I'm going to keep talking, but I, I think this video explains how we are to help carry each other's uh, burdens. To carry each other's burdens so that we may not deceive ourselves. We are not great at viewing ourselves properly. This is a group carrying a huge barn as you can tell, a bunch of Amish men are carrying the barn, lifting this up. Now, what I love is when it turns the angle. This is huge. It is not a small barn. As you can tell, you can see how many people are lifting it up and carrying it. When we are fulfilling the law of Christ and we are picking them up, this is what is so great. If we are fulfilling the law of Christ, I am helping see someone loving them, picking them up. And what at the same time, someone else is loving and picking me up. And so we are working together to carry that. Now, what happens if a few of these men start to think, I, right now, as I'm going right to left, I am carrying more weight than someone else. I'm done and drops it. If a group of people all of a sudden think, aren't there? Because you also saw people outside directing them, telling them where to go. We're turning right now. You saw that. You see some guy just filming it. But you also saw a couple other guys directing it as they're moving. Some are walking backwards. Some have to probably turn around and carry different things at that time and move it. And we're carrying each other's burdens. They are working together to accomplish this common goal. How amazing is that? What is so unique is that there are different jobs, there are different responsibilities, and everyone in the church is needed to accomplish the job. And when you realize that you're part of the family of God, and when you realize that you are vital, 
either you're the one in the, uh, that's helping direct it on the outside, or you're the one in the middle carrying the most weight, or you're the one that's on the corner helping go a certain direction. We are all needed, and we're all needed to help carry each other's burdens. The problem is many times people in the church and clearly outside the church, they might think that they are something or want to be something else when they're not. The problem is, is sometimes I think in the church, we're in the middle carrying it, and all of a sudden we want to be out there directing it. Oh, I want to do that. I'm done carrying this. And so I drop my stuff, let other people carry it, and then I go out. And I'm like, hey, I want to direct. But that's not what God has called us to do. And that leads to verse 3. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. You can stop the, stop the video. It's like another 15 minutes. No, just <laughs> they're super strong. <laughs> um, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. And uh, I love in uh, Blackwood uh, Jr.'s commentary, he says this. The problem is that a Christian is something. He is a son of God. He is charged with the heavy responsibility to live Christ in this rough and tumble world. But a Christian remembers always that his privilege and glory and freedom come from divine grace, not by his own striving. He remembers always how much he depends upon others for his daily existence, his faith, his righteousness. He knows that the self-made man is a myth. For each of us is dependent upon each other. Now, some examples of this are, one, children, my children. They are dependent on me, okay? Especially when they were six months old. If I just said, all right, peace, I'm going to a movie, have fun, there's food in the fridge. What kind of, de- what, what am I doing there? There's a dependency on each other. And, and we can use the kid thing, but a lot of us like, oh, but that's kids. I'm dependent on the farmer to make corn so I can have corn to eat. I'm dependent on the farmer to make food so I can... We're dependent on each other. If, I, if the farmer doesn't do his job, there's not food going on for many of us, right? If the doctor isn't doing his job, I can't get healed properly. We are dependent on each other. What what a beautiful thing. And I think we have to realize that that's why we are called the family of God. And that's why we are in this together. Blackman Jr. continued, he says, a wonderful thing to belong to the church where many practice the forgiveness of sins and that's helped bear their brother's load. Because through Jesus, he's the forgiveness of sins, but we can also forgive each other because of that. What a great example. But I have no right to rejoice in this fellowship of love unless I, too, practice forgiveness in my own heart. I think so many times in the church, we love it when we're forgiven, but it's really hard to give forgiveness. Oh, I love when I get forgiven. Like that, okay, we're restored there. But do we restore some other people? Do we reach out and help other people when they need restored?
in a deeper sense, we rejoice that Christ has worked through others. The Christian church consists, none of those who are perfect, but of highly imperfect people whom Christ died to redeem. We are not perfect people. As I said earlier, we all have broken bones. But the thing is, is we know the ultimate healing doctor. We can fix broken bones. But sometimes, us as Christians, we have to realize that, hey, I need to help that person, carry that burden to get them to the ultimate doctor for healing in the process. Each one of us has different responsibilities to carry. And there are responsibilities you have. There's responsibilities you have here, and then there's different responsibilities within the church. I say it like this. One of my responsibilities that I never knew I was going to have is I am always the last one up. Like, or the last one to go to bed, I mean. Because I always have to make sure all the doors are locked, all the right lights are on, so my girls never have to worry about it. That's my responsibility. I didn't know that was my responsibility when I had them. But that was a responsibility that I have. That, so that my girls and my wife, when they're asleep, they don't have to ever worry or care about, will someone come in? Or is this not taken care of? That was a responsibility of mine that I had to carry. That is part of what is going on. Now, some of you have different responsibilities, and some of you need to test your actions and what they are. Verse 4 says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Man, but let's, I love, but let each one examine his own work. So we need to test our actions looking over our work and presenting it before God. And what I mean by this, if one, each one of you right now, and I know a couple in here because they go to school and they're trying to pass some classes, right now, if you right now had a project that was due this Friday and it represented 80% of your grade, 80% of your grade, how much would you look over that project? A lot. you probably make sure the heading was right, the name of the teacher you're turning in right, the title's right, the paragraphs are right, the punctuations are right. It makes sense. You would probably have other people look at it, being like, hey, can you read over this? What does this look like? How's that? I examine it, looking over it, processing it. Do we do that with our lives? Do we examine our lives in such a way to present it? Present it. We'll keep working on it, Joe. Uh, present it properly to God and to each other. But let us, one, examine our own work. Because at one time, we are going to be held responsible. We're all held responsible with this life that we have. We should do the same with our lives when we do it. I like how Guzik puts it, if we don't and if we carry on under our own self-deception, then we may think our works are approved before God when they really aren't. That's why we need to check. 
Another saying, and so it goes in, then they can take pride in themselves alone. Uh, another saying for take pride in themselves is, is rejoicing in himself, which is meaning having joy in your relationship, your walk with Jesus. Have you seen Jesus work in your life? Have you seen Jesus work in other people's lives? Is there joy in that? Is there peace in that? Is there like grace in that where you get to see that? And that leads to this uh, the, the, uh, huge point. So there's no comparing. There's no comparing. A person that is following Christ wants to love and restore the other believers. As Wearsby puts it, the legalists rejoice when someone else fell, uh, falls and often gives the matter wide publicity because what, then he can boast about his own goodness and how much better his group is than the group to which the fallen person belongs. Are we rejoicing other people's sin? Are we rejoicing in other people's falls? Or are we starting the process to restore? So many of us compare. So many of us look at the different and say, hey, I'm better than this person or I'm this. It actually leads to this. Paul uses the word for load here. So for each one should carry their own load. In Galatians 6, it was a common term for a man's like a backpack, image of backpack, like carrying their own load, their own responsibility of what they're going to do. In Galatians 6, 2, it's another word for burden. It's carrying the load then, but that's a heavy burden, which is much more than a backpack. It's a weight that a man cannot carry alone. It's going back to the corporate and individual. Corporate and individual. Corporately, there are times where we have to be like those group, picking up the barn and carrying it. But if you can't be individual and carry your own, you drop it. And then you start realizing that it's not about you and other people that need to pick you up. But we're responsible to carry our own burdens. We get in trouble though, and this is what I, I relate to. We get in trouble when we start to uh, ask, how long do I have to carry this backpack? What is the limit of my Christian responsibility? When have I done enough? What are my Christian limits? Do I forgive someone seven times? Do I forgive them 77 times? Do I forgive them a thousand times? And after that, I'm done with them. What we start doing then is we start falling back to the law. We start trying to fall back into, if I do it this many times, I'm good. In high school, I don't like bringing all of my high school stories in, but one of my high school, I had the three strike rule. I was, I was thinking I was something back then. I was like, you could almost do anything. I'd forgive you three times, but after that, if you did something the fourth, I was done with you. It's the John Pell's execution rule. But you know what it did? It actually shackled me. It shackled me. Because it's not what Christ did. If I was, if I had the three strike rule with God, I would have been out a long time ago. A long time ago. 
because I was going back to the law because it's like, how long do I, God, how long do I have to carry this? How long do I have to do that? Because we're now looking back at our selfishness. We're thinking of carrying the burden. We're not thinking of carrying each other. And you know what's done is I've let it decay in my mouth like a tooth and not let anyone else help carry the burden with me because I haven't been restored. Blackman Jr. talks about this. He says, if Jesus could have taught the law and he could have taught the law in words, he would have done so. Instead, he lived it and died it out. How can you compress into words what it means to be free, responsible son of God? Jesus compressed it into his life, the life that it means to be a Christian, a son of God, free and responsible. And that leads to my final point of that of receive. Receive from God. It says in verse 6, Nonetheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with his instructor. I like how Scott puts it. The right relationship between teacher and taught, our minister and congregation, is one of koinia, fellowship and partnership. So Paul writes, Let him who is taught the word share all good things with one who teaches. We have all today been talking about being restored and then to realize, and that's to realize problems and to avoid them and then receiving from God. When you receive and when someone helps you up out of and restores you and helps you back within the church, being restored are things made right, things made good again. If they're restored, there's usually a bond between that and that person, right? If you go through something, if you had that broken arm and someone is there with you the whole time and helps put the arm back together, there's a special bond there, isn't there? There's a friendship there. There's something there that you can't explain because you've gone through a situation that no one else can go through or know about because you've been in it. You've been in that together. Some of you need to be restored. Some of you have open, broken bones but are trying to hide it. Some of you have tooth decay and are hiding it. Some of you need to be restored. And some of you need to help those restored be right with God again. And know that it's not about you, but it's because you love your family member. You love your brother and sister in Christ. Too many times, us as a church, we've started to say, hey, that person, nah, that, that sin is too far gone from the negative. Really? 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 Because what you just did is put a limit on God. No, God. God is the ultimate judge. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to love. We're called to go seek out. We're called to, to be in the mess. We're called to, if a broken bone's out, to get blood on ourselves. Because it's going to be messy. It's going to be. I would ask you, have you helped restore someone through Christ? Or do you just ignore it? Or do you view yourself better than them? Do you even contemplate these things? Do you realize that before you pull the speck out of someone else's eye that you might have a plank in yours? Do you realize that through Jesus Christ, we are all the whole family of God and we need to love each other? Do you receive instruction in the word of God and pursue it 
Are you one that lets God change you, direct you, move you? And the interesting thing, God might use broken people to show you the perfect word and love of God. I, I'm going to finish with this story. Now, this is a hypothetical story. It's just a story. I'm not saying this is not a biblical story whatsoever. There was a flood in town, and the waters were rising high, and the man had to get up on top of the roof. He started praying. It's like, God, provide, provide, show a way out. A guy in a sea pulls up, yells at the guy, hey, I got room for one in the back. The guy on the, the top of the roof said, I'm good, I'm praying, God's going to provide a way out. Guy in the sea dude looks at him and goes, okay, takes off. Five minutes later, the water's rising even more. A boat pulls up, goes, hey, jump on, let's go. And the guy's like, nah, I'm praying, I got this, God's got this, we're, we're, we're good. And he looks at him and looks at the couple other people and be like, you sure? He's like, yeah, boat goes. Now the water has now really risen. It's like at the level where it's now or never time. Helicopter comes by, comes down, helicopter's hanging, that cool rope, the lights on it. It's like a scene from a movie. It's like the lights coming down. He goes, grab the rope. Guy's like, nah, I'm praying God's gonna show up and provide. And the helicopter takes off. The man didn't make it. Now he's not happy, he goes to God. He goes up and he goes, why weren't you there for me? Now you all know where this is going. I sent you a sea I sent you a boat, I sent you a helicopter. Messed up people, but I sent you people. I sent you, God's provided. I think sometimes us as Christians, we get so stuck into that this is the way and we're not letting the Bible do the way. We're not letting God direct the way. God uses messed up people. He used non-believers in the Old Testament to do his will. We're supposed to do his will. What a great opportunity for that. Now, I know this is a silly story, but we are to love each other. And some of us have to be open to being corrected knowing that other people love you and what what's best for you. Even when you've been hurt a million times or through Christ, knowing that the grace and truth of Jesus Christ in your life and in other people's lives want to help you. And when you bring truth in other people's lives, you need to do it with grace and mercy. In your own life, you were there at some point where you needed something. And if you don't think you ever were, you're probably there now. The reason why I love talking about family so much is that's what we're called to be. Here at Living Hope, I believe that we are sons of God, heirs and brothers and sisters to each other. And we are to carry each other's burdens just like they carry the barn. I believe we want to be the true church of God through truth and grace. We aren't perfect, I'm not perfect, but we know who is. Let us restore, let us realize, and let us receive in love and grace and truth and be gentle to each other. Let's sing.